be great to be here on a Sunday morning again. Uh, simply my prayers that the Lord may richly bless us and as he may it touch upon each and every heart this morning. We are not so many this morning, but we shouldn't be disappointed. For God's blessing doesn't depend upon the number of people, but of course we cannot help to be disappointed sometimes. Um, I remember two weeks ago we had our special prayer meeting across the street and we usually have a good number, up to a dozen or so. But I don't know what happened, but that Friday I was alone with uh, dear Mrs. Edgett and we felt a little bit disappointed. But uh, then when we, as soon as we started to pray, it was marvelous, all the things which the Lord laid upon our heart. And it took us more than two hours before we finished. And it is just marvelous what the Lord is doing in our midst. And I'm thanking him so much for all the things he is doing, especially now this challenges group. So happy about those people which want to go out with this wonderful invitation that people should come to the king. It is really marvelous. It is nothing what we organized. It came from amongst himself. And the Lord is moving out with them. And we should give them prayer support. Every support we could uh, give them possibly. But also there is Satan and he is very busy and there is nothing more what he would hate but then to prevent those young people to go out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they need our prayer very much. Well, this morning we are going on in our study of uh, the Holy Spirit and his ministry. And this morning we come to the Holy Spirit and world evangelism. And our text is uh, in Matthew 22, 1 to 14. Matthew 22, 1 to 14. And I would suggest that we read this portion of scripture together. 22, Matthew. We read from 1 to 14. And Jesus answered and spake unto them by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, unto to his farm, one another to his merchant. And the remnant took his servants, and entreated them hurtfully, and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies, 
and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then says he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go he therefore into the highways, and as many as he shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Let's have a word of prayer further. Our dear Heavenly Father, once more we come to thee in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. To thank thee for these precious moments which we have now to be before thee with our Bibles open, Lord, the very word of God. We thank thee so much that we have thy word with what, which what we can measure what is right and wrong in thy eyes. Lord, we thank thee so much for the very center of thy word, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he became our Savior and that he died on Calvary's cross to bring about an everlasting righteousness, to give us the righteousness which only counts before thee. We thank thee for the, his precious blood, which was shed on Calvary's cross. And, O oh, Father, we pray now that the Holy Spirit may take over this hour of studying, that we only may see Jesus and him glorified, and that his word may challenge us that we take our position as servants who are called out, servants of the King, as we should go out with the invitation that others may come too to this wedding feast to which we are called. Lord, lay it upon our hearts and bless us together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Lord Jesus told us this story when he just was going to be ready to go to Calvary's cross. It was in Jerusalem, and it was in the temple that he told this story. Well, in this uh, parable, the Lord Jesus wonderfully illustrates the course of the gospel or the history of world evangelism. We see here the king in this story, which of course is God the Father. We see the Son, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is also the King. For in Psalm 2.6 we read, Yet have I set my King upon my holy hill of Zion. And then, of course, we see the Bride, 
for which this feast is prepared. And this speaks to us about the Church of Jesus Christ, which is also called the Bride of Jesus Christ, and in Revelation 19, which is called the Bride of the Lamb. But we should make it very clear that the marriage here is not the wedding feast of the Lamb recorded in Revelation 19, which is yet future, but it is simply this present time and age of grace, that uh, at this time the doors are wide open and that the invitation is going out to come to the wedding feast, to believe, to receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. As it is said in Revelation 3.20, and this is what the Lord Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. And this glorious feast we are called to includes pardon of sin, peace of mind, exceeding great and precious promises, it includes access to the throne of grace, the comforts of the Holy Spirit, and assurance of eternal life. But although this offer is so great and so wonderful, there is a terrible tragedy unfolding before our eyes when we hear about those strange refusals of the invitation. They would not come. They took it light. The things of this temporal life were more important to those invited than eternal life. In my witnessing, I have found many ignorant people indifferent to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I never forget, especially one man uh, back in Germany, to whom I witnessed. At that time, I had a plan, and this plan was to reach every one of my neighbors with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we had a wonderful gospel paper which came out every second week. And every second week, for three months, I would visit the homes of my neighbors. For three months, I would come every second week at the door with this paper to give it out free and to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And those which would refuse, I just would erase them from my list. And after three months, I would move on to another section of a street of my neighborhood. And it was a marvelous opportunity but there was one neighbor, he had a car rental business, and when I rang the bell, he was very friendly, coming to the door, because he expected that I would bring him some business. But the moment he realized that I wanted to talk to him about the Lord Jesus Christ and salvation, he turned, his expression of his face turned so terribly that I was frightened. And I've never seen, in all my witnessing, a man so outrageous 
than him. He said, for this garbage you are calling me away from my favorite program on TV. And he slams the door. But I can't describe the words he used and how outrageous he was. But I couldn't help but think, oh, if you just would realize what the offer of the Lord is. Here you expected that I bring you a few marks. And what is it, what we have to offer? What are these few marks which I would bring to you in your business, compared with eternal life which Jesus Christ has to offer? A few days later, or a little while later, I had to go to him again, but then for real business. And he was quite a little bit ashamed. But he tried to be friendly, and he rented a car to me for two days. So this is so tremendous and such a terrible tragedy that uh, people reject the offer and the invitation which is going out. This world is crying out for a little bit of love as, ne as never before. But the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ to us is rejected. And people are dying in sin and in darkness and in ignorance. Well, in our story, we see that, we see that three invitations are going out at three different times. In verse 3, we see simply the simple and general invitation that there would be a wedding of the king and that they should get ready for this wedding. And let me suggest that this invitation was the invitation which went out to Israel before Calvary. For in verse 4, we read that at another time, the servants of the king are going out but this time with a very definite message. They say that everything is prepared now for the feast. And the key word is prepared. God in his love has prepared. And this invitation went out to Israel after Calvary. These are the two invitations to Israel. God in his love had everything prepared for salvation. Now the doors are open for Israel to come and to believe. How true this word is in John 1.11, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But Mark, the term in all those invitations uh, which we find in our Bible, bidden, they were bidden, they were not forced. They were bidden by the love of the king, by the love of God, to come. It speaks to us about divine love, about the desire to save and to seek that which was lost. And then in verse 6, we see that they are persecuted, those servants of the king, 
and some of them were even killed. And how true that is concerning Israel. Let us turn now to Matthew 23, to the next chapter, and let's see what Jesus had to say concerning the judgment which would come upon Israel because they refused and they would not listen to the invitation of God. It says in 23, verse 34 to 37, Wherefore, behold, I send unto you prophets and wise men and scribes, and some of them he shall kill and crucify, and some of them shall he scourge in your synagogues, and persecute them from city to city, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias, son of Barachias, whom he slew between the temple and the altar, Verily I say unto you, all these things shall come upon this generation. This is the generation of the Jews at that time. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, that thou killest the prophets, and stones them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathered her chickens under her wings, and he would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. So uh, judgment had to come. And in our text we see that uh, the army came and destroyed their city and burned up their city, which is actually the history of Israel because of their rejection. And then let's see what it says in Luke 19. In Luke 19, 41 to 44. 41 to 44, Luke 19. It says, And when he was come near, that is Jesus, for the last time coming to Jerusalem, he beheld the city and wept over it. saying, If thou hadst known, even thou at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. And don't we have the same experience, you know, when we witness to others about the Lord Jesus Christ? That we think how tragic that they don't see, that they don't believe. What a responsibility we have as servants of the king to our neighbors and to our families first. And then the Lord Jesus goes on, For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies, he speaks about Jerusalem, shall cast a trench about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. Do we see again the refusal here, that they refuse the invitation of the king to come? It's good to see this historic setting for the cause of the gospel, 
for world evangelism that first Israel was the one who rejected and that through this rejection of the word of God and the invitation the gospel came to the Gentile world. In verse 3 and 4 we saw this invitation to Israel. In verse 6 we see that the city had to be destroyed and judgment came upon Israel. And there's another portion, a couple of verses which we should look into. This is Daniel 9, 24. 9, 24 and 26. And this is a, a portion which each and every one of us should know as we witness to Jews. It's this tremendous portion of scripture concerning the Messiah, concerning the judgment of God over Israel and uh, Jerusalem. In verse 24 of Daniel 9 we read, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. So from God everything is prepared. And here we see Calvary, Jesus dying on the cross and bringing about an everlasting righteousness, the righteousness which only counts before God. And this is what happened on Calvary cro uh, Calvary's cross. And then we read in verse 26, in 25 we read that the temple was rebuilt and uh, all this. And then in 26, and after three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. No, he will die for his people. Remember what the, what the angel said to Mary concerning the name of Jesus. He said, thou shalt call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. So Messiah had to be cut off, which means he had to die a forceful death but not for himself. And the people of the prince, this was the army now of uh, the Roman army, that shall come and shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Here again the judgment of God upon that city, upon that nation Israel, that even the sanctuary was destroyed, which happened 70 after Christ. But let us see is this in the order here, that first of all, the Messiah had to be cut off, and then the destruction of the city and the temple. So that we can say to Jews that Messiah had already come, and, and that Messiah had to die before the destruction of the temple. It is tremendous. On Friday, I was in a Jewish home, for the first time, uh, and as I was tuning the piano and I looked around, they had uh, a whole library of all kinds of books concerning the Bible. And one of the books had a title which says, says the Messianic Hope of Israel. No, the Messianic Hope in Israel. And I said to the lady, you know, this is tremendous what you have there. I wonder what this book says. 
But that if this writer fails to see Jesus Christ as Messiah, this book is no good. And she was very much surprised. And I showed her Daniel 9:26, And I said that the Messiah had to come and had to die for the sin of the people and that then the sanctuary would be destroyed and the city would be destroyed. It is so tremendous, and she couldn't say, say a thing to it. But we have a tremendous message to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. And it can't be anybody else. There are many other portions, many, many more, which makes this very clear. But isn't this a marvelous portion of Scripture where we can show to the Jews that it was Jesus, that they are waiting in vain? And I said, she said at one point at the beginning of our talk, we are waiting for the Messiah. I said, we are waiting too. But the only difference, we know who he is, and he was here already. For our Jewish friends completely missed to understand that the coming of the Messiah is in two stages. In the Old Testament, he had to come first to die for our sin, for the sin of the nation. He had to suffer first. And the second time, he will come in glory and will sit on the throne of David. Between those two comings is the time of the Gentiles. Let us look in Luke 21, 24. I showed this verse to a, Jewish, a young Jewish fellow who is an Orthodox Jew just a week ago. And it is tremendous what Jesus had to say about the city again and his, uh, the nation of Israel. It says in Luke 21, 24, and this is the Lord Jesus speaking, and they, the Jews, shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So we see this time between the two comings of the Messiah. That he came first to walk out an everlasting righteousness that he died for the sin of the people. But this dying had to occur before the destruction of the temple and the holy city. In this tremendous. So we have a message, a wonderful message for this world. Israel is put aside and the servants of the king go now out on the highways. This is the third invitation. And the Gentiles come into the picture here. The servants are called, different servants now, they are called to get away from the city, away from Israel, and the Gentiles are called. They are called to go to the highways, out of the city. In verse 10 we read of our text that those are called bad and good, which includes everyone, and I like this term so much, bad and good. There are many good people in this world, which are good in the eyes of this world, but they had to come too. It doesn't say that the bad people had to come. The bad and the good. 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and don't reach the glory of God. It is an impossibility. We are all in the same boat, bad or good. We must have a savior. And now the message goes out, not to Israel alone, but to the whole world, whosoever will may come. Gospel is preached to the uttermost parts of the world, and the Church of Jesus Christ is the work of the Holy Spirit. Humanly speaking, speaking, it would have been impossible for this handful of devoted Christian, Christians to evangelize the world. But the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit was working through them. And in Acts 1.8, we read this wonderful portion, what the Lord Jesus said to this handful of his followers, but he shall receive power after the Holy Spirit is come upon you, and he shall be my witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And it's marvelous when we read through the book of Acts to see how this came about. You know, there was the church of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. And then came a terrible persecution over this church. That uh, the church was practically destroyed and the people had to run away. And in Acts 8.4 we read that those which were scattered abroad abroad that they were preaching the word of God. But at that time they didn't have reached they didn't reach the Gentile world. It was in Samaria that it happened. So Samaria was reached with the word of God. And then as we read on we see that uh, Paul always on his uh, mission tours journeys that he always went to the Jews to the temple to the synagogues first preaching Jesus Christ as the Messiah until he comes to Corinth in Acts 18 we read this and there was such an uproar among the Jews that he was led by the Spirit to say from now on I will turn to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were reached with the word of God. The doors were closed for Israel physically and spiritually because the city was destroyed and the, and the Christians, they were scattered abroad. And it was by this that the word of God reads the Gentile world. And so the invitation to come and to believe has come down through the generations to us. And how thankful we are that faithful man has brought us the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. In my case, there had to come a dear brother from England over to Germany he wanted to reach the Germans with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as far as I know, I was the only one reached. But he had to come over from England after the war to talk to me about salvation 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. I was brought up a Catholic, but no one ever told me, you must be born again. And so we are thankful for those people which are faithfully bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ. But before we speak a little bit more about the servants of the king, let us uh, speak a word more about our text, for there is another story to it. We see in our, on this wedding feast that everything, all the preparations are made and that the hall is full of people. All who should have come in came. And this speaks to us about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now all the people are in, which should have been in, no longer invitations anymore. And then the king comes in. And what do we read? Among those which were in, there was one without a wedding garment. As we read this, we must understand that the Lord speak, gives us a picture of an Eastern wedding. The people invited did not go right away into the wedding hall, but there were certain preparations like washing and putting on the wedding garment which was provided by the king. But there was one, one man, he rejected this wedding garment of the king and he certainly thought that his garment, which was a beautiful one, was good enough to be there. And then the question comes to him by the king, how did you get in? The servants of the king they thought that he was fit too to be there, for he looked like the others, completely. They couldn't distinguish him from the others. This is very important and a great lesson for us to see. Only the king saw that he was different. But Mark said he came by the beautiful dress of his own. He did not come in filthy rags of a beggar. He came in a beautiful garment, but one of his own. And he had rejected the king's offer of the wedding garment. This is a deep spiritual truth. And it speaks to us about the righteousness which only counts before God. In Isaiah 64, 5, we read that all our righteousness are as filthy rags. All our righteousness, all our good works, that which looks good in the eyes of the world. Filthy rags, that is what the word of God says. And this is true. This man represents all those among Christendom today which reject the cross of Jesus Christ, which reject the blood of Jesus Christ as the only means 
du findest righteousness before God. There are many which call him Lord, Lord in our days, which are not saved, but they look so much alike than the others. Remember this parable the Lord Jesus uh, uh, gave us too about the wheat and the tares. The pastor spoke about this a little while ago. You know that they look so much alike, the tares and the wheat, that it is hard to distinguish, it is impossible to distinguish. And remember that the servants want to take care of the tares, to rip them out. But the king said, no, don't do it until the harvest. It is up to the king to distinguish who should go in and who should not. We have to fulfill the requirements. And this requirement, a requirement is that by faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross, that we are redeemed. Our sins must be washed away. And then, as we respond to the invitation of the Lord, of the King, and we give our heart to him, at that moment, we become servants. We are turned from those which are invited, and we become servants, servants of the King. There's nothing between, and this is a challenge for us today, and which the Holy Spirit wants to give to us, that we are now servants, those which are called in, and that each and every one of us has a tremendous responsibility. And this is our great concern, our daily concern, that we might please him, that we go through, through those open doors which the Lord Jesus has given unto us. We are the servants which are called. In John uh, 20, 21, the Lord Jesus said, As the Father has sent me, even so sent I you. You know, for the church of Jesus Christ to evangelize is a question of life and death for the church. I speak of, uh, about spiritual life and spiritual death. This is true for the local church. And activities in the church are not necessarily a sign of, spiritual, of spirituality. No, for the church of Jesus Christ to evangelize, to go out with the invitation is a question of life and death for the church as a whole, locally and individually too. We have a tremendous responsibility. They are not those which are active and are inactive. As we respond to the invitation of the Lord, and give our heart to him. We become servants of the king. There's nothing between. There's no room for inactivity. God help us. If we think that our Christianity exhausts itself in a little bit of prayer every day, and Bible reading, and coming once on Sunday to church, You know, Billy Graham and the Crusade is just uh, 
around the corner, so to say. And I believe that this is a wonderful opportunity for us to invite people. I have made it my business to reach everyone in our office and uh, workshops at uh, Steinway with the invitation and I started last week. And so far, uh, 14 are invited and many have promised to come. I, I think it's a marvelous opportunity. And Billy Graham is one who uh, speaks out this invitation of the king that people should come and repent and give their heart to him. We are fit to do so, and we are able to do so, because every believer of the Lord Jesus Christ is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Although not every one of us is infilled by the Holy Spirit, this is a question how much we yield to the Spirit of God. And this is tremendous when we think about this. You know, there's this beautiful picture of uh, the Sea of Galilee in Israel and the Dead Sea. And the Sea of Galilee stays beautiful fresh, the water, because there's a steady flow of fresh water. The source is the Jordan River, and there is the inlet, the inflow, in the north, and in the south, the outflow. And so the water stays fresh all the time, very rich of fishes is the lake, and it is beautiful, clean. And then we come to the Dead Sea, and when we see the surroundings already of the Dead Sea, Joe was there, were you there? Wonderful. What a difference. What a difference. It is dead. Because this Dead Sea takes and takes and takes and doesn't let go. The water vaporizes and disappears. And so the water is dead. And the surroundings are dead. What a tremendous lesson for us. You know, the Lord Jesus said at one point in John 7, 38, He said, He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Oh, may we be a witness for our Lord Jesus Christ. If we just take this home, that as we have responded to the invitation of the Lord, that we are now the servants of the King, that we have to go out ourselves with this invitation. And may each and every one take its part in this wonderful work of world evangelism, for still the door is open. But let us see this wonderful setting here, in our lesson, that the invitation went out twice to Israel. Israel rejected. And now the Gentiles came into the picture. And Israel is put, is put like a train on a side track for the time being. There is still a future time of Israel as a nation to be called in. But at the moment they are put on a side track. And the time of the Gentiles are now. And the door is open. And this wedding feast, which the Lord Jesus shows us here, is simply this time of grace where the doors are open and the invitation is going out. But it speaks also about the second coming 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the king comes in and the, when there is division, tremendous division, a division which will cut right through our families, a division which will cut through our, uh, uh, through our choir, through our congregation. No matter that the pastor preaches his heart out every Sunday, every Wednesday, there are those which look very much alike and it's not up to us to judge. It is the future day of the coming of the Lord where this cut is made and there will be a tremendous gap which no one can overbridge anymore. We might be as close as two laying on a bed and there cannot be any closer relationship in this world than a man and a wife. But when the Lord Jesus comes, they are cut. And one goes to be with the Lord Jesus Christ and the other one is left behind. So there is a tremendous lesson for us. May we read this portion through again as we go home or today. And may the Lord bless us to us. It is simply my praise that the Lord may bless it and put it upon our hearts that we are now the servants of the King as we have responded to the invitation of the King. Let us pray. Father, we come to thee once more in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How wonderful is thy word. How wonderful is thy grace and thy love revealed in Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you so much that we have responded to this invitation, that it is not our righteousness which are like filthy rags, but the righteousness which, which Jesus has worked out on Calvary's cross because he has given his life's blood that we might live, have eternal life, have pardon of sin, have a place in thy kingdom. O oh Lord, we thank thee so much. But now, Lord, let us see our position, that we 